This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. Today we're talking with Jesus Hernandez, CEO at Community Choice Healthcare Network, a consortium in North Central Washington State. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jesus. Thank you for having me, Howard. Tell us why your group decided to serve as a test site for the Health Record Bank model and briefly describe how the model works. We have a history of doing a, a lot of work in uh, since the early uh, 2000 in, in health information technology, connecting the systems, uh, using introducing broadband. And so in addition to introducing a lot of teleradiology or telemedicine into our region, we uh, started looking at health information they exchanged in our region. And the opportunity to pursue the health record bank pilot was uh, a step in that direction. Even though it's a consumer-centric approach, our membership thought that we should consider um, looking at becoming uh, one of those pilots, and we were uh, fortunately uh, successful in, in being uh, selected for that. So for those who don't know about health record banks, describe briefly how they work. So health record bank is what we would call a consumer-centric system. We are partners with Microsoft Health Vault, so it's basically a large data store with a lot of security features that is also designed to be controlled by the consumer. So because that structure is already there, uh, it was easy for us to partner with them, develop a user interface for patients or, or consumers to use, and essentially create their own personal health record uh, within this infrastructure of a health record bank. In addition to that, we created or we built interfaces to various data silos in the in our community and, and the state. Uh, so we have three interfaces with large EMR systems in our region, as well as an interface with uh, the state immunization uh, registry. So when you enroll and create, activate your own account within the health record bank, you can then have your data from those various silos uploaded to your personal health record. So it aggregates for patients who have their data in two or three different facilities because they're being seen, getting care at various facilities, which is very common. They can uh, all be pulled to one place where the patient has the ability to see that information in an aggregated way. Now, you mentioned Microsoft Health Vault. Uh, what's their role in this? Is the data stored in, in, in their database or in, in the, your own separate database with Microsoft Health Vault as a front end? It's in their database. It's it's something they have made available at no cost to the to the consumers, and they're they're committed to consumer centric access to health information. But they're basically just a data silo, and a lot of various applications operate within this this environment that they have created. In addition to PHR applications uh, like the user interface we're using for our health record bank, there are a number of other applications. Some that uh, relate to specific other data silos like pharmaceutical or labs or, in some cases, devices that can serve consumers and, and providers uh, with chronic care management tools, such as you know dealing with chronic conditions like diabetes and other things like that. How many patients are participating in the pilot, and how did you go about recruiting them? At this point, uh, we have around 550 people enrolled in, in, the, in the health record bank. And primarily, we have focused on community outreach, uh, health fairs, and activities that will go on in the community. We have spent now quite a bit of time creating better, more streamlined enrollment processes that can be uh, utilized or worked into the workflows at, at the actual clinics. So the next phase is to actually work with our member clinics so that they can assist in the enrollment at the time of a medical encounter. 
Tell us a little bit more about how you gather the data that goes into the patient's record inside the health record bank, and how is that gathering of data kept secure? So at this point, the interfaces we've built generate only a selected data set from the EMR systems that are participating. So, for example, we are uploading the problem list of a patient, their medications, their allergies, and immunizations from the state registry. That's the data that is can automatically be uploaded once we build, once we activate uh, a personal health record for an individual. But they can also enter their own data, so the individual can input their own data as well. The the way that happens is at the time the person enrolls or wants to activate their account, they actually have to go to the the, the specific clinic and visually be authenticated for whom they are, so that we can make sure that we're actually activating an account for the right individual. And then once they go through that authentication process, then the clinic will match their medical record number to a security code that is uh, available at, through Health Vault, and that matching uh, then allows for data to be uploaded on a, on a scheduled basis. And this is data that you have connections to is at clinics as well as hospitals, is that right? Right now, it's only clinics. We are looking to uh, build interfaces to hospitals for the purpose of giving patients access to discharge summaries, EMR notes or discharge notes from EMRs, because we're hearing that that would be of great value to outpatient care providers. Now, consumer advocates really like the health record bank model because it enables patients to control who can access their records. Explain to us uh, how that control is offered. It's very parallel to the kind of technology or security measures that is used in the financial banking business. Once you activate your account, the consumer has a username and password. There's a secret questioning that you can use if you ever lose your username or password. They have the ability then to assign access to anyone they choose to, and they're the only ones that can do it. So they can assign access for a specific amount of time to Maybe it's a, a school nurse or it could be the primary care doctor or anybody they want who might be, they might want to consider part of the care team if, if there is such a thing, you know, especially with people with chronic conditions, sometimes they'll have a care team and they, it can be a family member as well as the primary care doc, a specialist, anyone they choose. So it's totally under their control and it can be granular. In other words, they can select which data fields they want that individual to look at or be able to see. So if someone has something in their record, maybe mental health data that they don't want a specific individual to have access to, they can control that. Now, how do physicians and other clinicians um, access data within the bank? How do you verify that they are who they say they are? Again, anyone that has access to has to be assigned their own username password. Whether it's a temporary password, that's up to the patient. And once that is in place, anytime someone accesses a, a, a personal health record for, 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 a, for an individual, the data or the, the, the system documents or uh, records who was the entity that, or the individual that, that accessed that record. So then that allows the patient to generate reports on who's been accessing their account, and, and so there's, a, there's an audit capability there for the consumer. The physician is accessing the, the records bank via some sort of private network or via the Internet or how? It's through the Internet, so it's all web-based. And, again, at this point, just like anyone else, the, the physician would be using the same uh, user interface, the, the same patient portal that consumer or the patient is using. As we move ahead, our plans in the future is to create an actual provider portal 
that docs can use, but that would be linked to an actual health information exchange that is more provider-centric, and we're looking at how we might parallel that to the health record bank where the data that is in the health record bank with consumer authorization can be accessed by providers through a provider portal. How do patients find out when someone has accessed their records in the bank? Do they do they get alerts or will they get them eventually? And until then, uh, how do they figure that out? At this point, they don't get alerts, but they, they are able to uh, request a report or generate a report that essentially gives them knowledge of who has access their account. Do plans call for eventually offering alerts as well? Because uh, I understand the health record bank model uh, has that potential capability. That has it has a potential capability, and we're looking at we're looking also at messaging capability. Uh, there's still a lot that we we intend to build into this system, messaging capability and reminders of appointments, of uh, reminders of when their medications need to be taken, and things like that. So there's there's tremendous potential here to augment what we're what we currently have to something much more comprehensive. Now, the pilot project was funded by a grant. Uh, what do you see as a viable financial model for sustaining a health record bank over the long haul once the uh, grant funding runs out? Yeah, that's the real test, I think, for all the pilots. We are looking at a number of different financial sustainability models or, or strategies, and our hope is that we can get enough people enrolled uh, because with enrollment, then you cre- you also uh, your, your opportunity to, to develop these sustainable strategies becomes greater. So might you end up charging consumers to participate or charging their clinics or hospitals uh, to use it, or how would that work? Those are all options. At this point, there doesn't seem to be enough appetite among the provider community to pay for this. Um, maybe if it's linked to a health information exchange, then you, you can create that kind of uh, revenue to sustain both the HIE, the health information exchange capability, as well as the health record bank uh, if the systems are, are essentially linked. As far as charging patients, I think there's been uh, some surveys done that indicate that consumers might pay a, a nominal amount. So we're going to look at that. It could be an option of choosing to pay at a, a nominal amount or have ads on your screen when you uh, when you use your account. So we're looking at that possibility as well as arrangements or contracts with uh, other partners, institutional entities um, that may have an interest in using this system for their specific interests. So I understand the pilot is going to be ending at the end of the year. So what are your plans uh, for next year? Part of our intent is to stretch the grant dollars as far as we can, as well as using some of the revenues we currently have from uh, membership to uh, sustain what we currently have, the infrastructure. We've been very intentional in keeping the, the cost of, of the basic infrastructure at a, at a relatively affordable level so that we can not have a huge overhead to sustain as grant dollars disappear. What advice would you give to others that are considering whether to perhaps use the health record bank model? One uh, advice I would give is, you know, do plenty of due diligence on, on your vendors or the, the organizations that you choose to work with. One of the setbacks we had is we initially got involved with uh, uh, partners or vendors that essentially promise a lot and, and under-delivered, and so it was uh, a challenge because, uh, we, you know, we think we could have been a lot further along if we could have built the core aspects of the health record bank much earlier and get enrollment started as soon as that was done because it was uh, the enrollment process was delayed as a result of, of not having the, the, the system ready. When you deal with the partners, such as the clinics that we are uh, engaged with through interfaces, 
There's always a lot of planning that needs to be done. There's people, especially IT shops at clinics, they always have way too much on their, on their plate. So, so that can be a, a challenge to try to get the responsiveness that, that you need to get some of these projects off the ground. Thanks very much, Jesus. We've been talking today with Jesus Hernandez of Community Choice. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.